Amen. All right. Well, joy is your compass and Jesus is your destination. Amen. 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 Um, you know, I'm, I'm counting my blessings and my blessings right now. I got up and this morning and I just woke up and I was just so thankful for every one of our volunteers. If you volunteer here, can you just stand up? Come on, just do it. Just stand up. If you volunteer here, just stand up. So I woke up this morning and I was just so grateful for all of you uh, and, and what you do here. You know, they don't come here for, like I said earlier, none of this is a performance. We come for the presence of the Lord, you know. Um, and so they come not for uh, perfection, um, but they come for, uh, for people, for you. You know, they come to serve you. And so I just wanted to say thank you to, to all of you guys uh, from the bottom of my heart. I love you. Um, let's uh, read our declaration today. What is, where are we at? There we go. Let's read it together. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen, amen, amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. Father, we surrender it to you. Uh, in your leading, God, I pray that our eyes would be open, Father, and our ears would be open to hear your word, God. Father, I pray that you would open our spirits to receive it and to digest it in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Amen, amen. All right. Well, last week uh, I talked about overcoming overwhelm. Overcoming overwhelm. Um, and we talked uh, about King Jehoshaphat, who was king of Judah for 25 years. And the Bible tells us that, that he was a, a good leader and that he was uh, committed to the Lord. And he did something that um, no other king had done before. He led an entire nation. He led the entire nation of Judah uh, to a spiritual revival. And in my study this week, I was just kind of reading, you know, and, 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 it, and it pointed that out to me, you know. The one thing it pointed out to me was that this revival, that it didn't start with the nation of Judah. You know, when I think, when I hear revival, you know, I think of this field of people out in Mineral City at, at a live fest, and suddenly the Spirit of the Lord comes down, and everybody just gives their, you know, just gives their heart to Jesus, and, 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 and I, I think of the, an entire city or entire, you know, uh, state just revival happening, you know, that's, that's where I see this. But this didn't start with the nation of Judah. This started with a man. This started with, with a man. It started with King Jehoshaphat. And what that told me was that before we're going to see this national revival that we're, 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 we're asking for, we need individual, personal revival to happen. Right? And so, you know, I, I was just trying to look in the Bible to see where, where does it say to pray for revival, you know? And I couldn't find it. You know, God isn't asking us to pray for what he already wants to do. He already wants to do that. He just wants you to get close enough to him. He wants you to stay filled, full of the Holy Spirit, close enough that you're giving him the liberty to do what he wants to do. So you just got to stay close enough to him. And, you know, we have to get serious about seeking God. 
We got to get serious about it. So for master classes that are coming, you know, we got to get serious about this. Our life groups gathering together. We have to get serious about this. Getting in your word every morning and getting on your knees every day. You have to get serious about this stuff. And so what this, you know, what this led me to, it changed my prayer life um, the past couple of weeks, you know. And now when I go into my prayer room, I, I, I go in and I sit on my little rectangular gray shag rug and, and, be, and before I ask God for this revival to happen in, in the community and the revival to happen in, 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 in North Ridgeville or, or Northeast Ohio, I just say, Lord, can you, can you start revival right here on this rug? Can you just start revival right here, right here, God? Right here. Because I know if he does it here, it's going to happen in my marriage. I know if he does it here, it's going to happen with my family. I know if he does it there, it's going to happen in my community, in my city, in Northeast Ohio. It's going to happen. But we got to get serious about seeking the Lord. It's, it's, it's us. It's us. This is where he wants to, to live. This is where he wants to reside. So it's about us. So this revival started with King Jehoshaphat. So what he'd done was good. He turned an entire nation, turned the people back to the Lord. Now, people say that it's wise to choose your battles when you can. But what do you do when your battle chooses you? What do you do when your battle chooses you? And this is what happened to King Jehoshaphat. So we're going to read through uh, 2 Chronicles 21 through 7. And we're going to move on from there. But it says, and it happened after this. After what? It happened after this revival. After this spiritual awakening. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared. He was scared. He was frightened. He was shaken. And set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim, at fa proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our, fa of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might? so that no one is able to withstand you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? So he found himself in this overwhelming situation. And Jehoshaphat did a couple of things that, that we should pay attention to. The first couple of things we talked about last week 
First thing he did is, is, is he turned. He turned to God for help. Right? He turned to God for help, and, and he called for corporate fasting and, and, and corporate prayer. Remember, we talked about that. The, the problem was, uh, was involving the nation, right? And so the solution needed to involve the nation. He just couldn't pray. They all needed to fast, and they all needed to pray. And what that done was that just, that just showed his dependency. It showed their dependency on God, not what they could do, but on God. He didn't call a friend. He didn't phone a friend. He didn't look up a YouTube video on what to do when you're being attacked by three nations. That video wasn't there. He made a beeline straight for heaven. Straight for heaven. Because he needed heaven to intervene in what was happening there. They said, they're, 20, they're about 25 miles away. We, we, can't, we don't have time to start planning or looking up videos. He knew that that problem was going to affect that nation, and so the nation needed to, to hit their knees. So he turned to God. The second thing he did was he focused on God and not the problem. Pastor Tossi just touched on that. He focused on God and not the problem. The moment you begin to focus on your problem, the bigger it gets. The bigger it gets, and then the bigger your problem gets, the smaller your God gets. So suddenly, your problem is massive, and God is mini-me. And that's not how it works. He's got the entire world in his hands. He turned to God, and he said, I know who you are, God. You're powerful. You're the creator, the sustainer of all things. He said, I know what you've done, God. You're the one. You're the one that brought us out of slavery. You're the one, Father. You're the one that delivered us from our enemies. That was you. He said, I know your promises, God. Your promise is not to harm us, but to help us. I know your promises. So now next time you know that when that big problem smacks you in the face unexpectedly, you know the first two things you need to do. The first thing is you need to turn to God. You need to turn to heaven. Second thing you need to do is you need to start focusing on him. Look him in the eyes. Not that problem. The third thing we need to do is we need to appeal to God's character. Appeal to his character. In 2 Chronicles 28 through 9, it says... And they dwelt in it. They dwell in it. Talking about the land that was promised to them. They dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. This was, this was just another reminder. It was another reminder. He was reminding God of his promises of deliverance. Promises of deliverance. If you would just come seek him. Come seek him first. He's reminding him of the promises of deliverance. What Jehoshaphat was saying was, I know what kind of God you are. 
I know what kind of God you are. I know you're faithful. I know you're righteous. I know you're powerful and mighty. I know you're just and and forgiving and merciful and compassionate. I know what kind of God you are. It's it's remembering. It's remembering that when, when, when when I couldn't stop drinking and I couldn't stop smoking, when I, was, when I was addicted to pills, like, it's remembering that God, man, man, I cried out to you. I cried out to you, and you came and saved me. God, thank you so much for being a deliverer. It's just remembering, right? It's remembering when, when I got the doctor's report, you know, and, and when I got... I, I went into the hospital and I got all those surgeries done, you know. It's, and when people looked at me and they thought, man, it don't look good. It don't look so good. Like, thank you, God, that I cried out to you. I cried out to you, Father, and I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. And thank you for being a healer. He's a healer. Everything, everything that he's done, he will do it again. You just have to believe it. He'll do it again. He's the only one in this world that never changes. Never changes. He doesn't shift in difficult circumstances. He doesn't crumble when life gets hard. He never changes. He's unshakable. He is the one place that we can always go and get help and protection. It's under his mighty wing. In verse 11, Jehoshaphat prays about this invasion that's coming and, and how they're coming to try to take what's theirs. He says in verse 11, he says, uh, here they are. Here they are. And he's talking about these, these he's talking about the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Meunites. He's saying, Lord, here they are. You know, and what he's, what he's talking is, is hundreds of years before that, uh, when Israel, when God rescued them out of Egypt, you know, they were passing by some land. And, and, and each, each time they passed by, they passed by these three, these tribes, these nations. And, and, and guess who they were? God told him, he said, don't bother them. Now, the, the, the is, Israel was, they were, they were known as warriors. They were destroying people. You know, they could have killed some people. But, but God said, don't bother them. Leave them alone. And they did. They kept on moving. They didn't bother them. Guess who those three nations were? The Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Meunites. Jehoshaphat is saying, here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. See, the devil wants to throw you out of your possession. He wants to throw you out of your possession, the possession that you've inherited. Do you know you have a possession? Oh, come on, man. I hope you know. You got a possession. What's your possession? Salvation. Healing. Deliverance. Victory. It's yours. The devil wants to come and steal that from you. But see, Jesus died on a cross to give you everything that you will ever need. To give you everything that you'll ever need. He already paid for it. 
He already paid for it. I used to work at, at Trader Joe's, and we had, uh, at one point, we had this, con- this contest. And every week, you know, whatever, I think if you, I can't remember what it was. But you got to throw a ticket with your name in this box. And at the end of the, the uh, whatever we were doing, they drew a name. And the prize was a 60-second dash through the store. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I don't win stuff, you know. But they drew my name. They drew my name. And I was like, 60 seconds? I get to run through the store and take stuff? Really? I used to do this when I was younger, Pastor. I didn't, I get to take stuff? Yeah, I get to take this stuff. And, and so I said, okay, that's awesome, you know. I know that they, they, they wish that, that they would have picked Deb's name, but they picked mine. And so the only thing I couldn't do was I couldn't, you couldn't grab a shelf of stuff and, and throw it on, you know. You had to grab one skew of each item. And so they gave me a cart, and I got, went back to the front of the store, and he said, hey, Mark, you said, go. And I don't know if they thought that I was going to go grab pasta and chips, but I made a beeline straight for the meat wall. <laughs> and I ran over to that meat wall <laughs> with my cart, and I, I could only take one skew at a time, but I was just, I was going. You can do a lot of damage on a meat wall in 45 seconds. It took me about 15 seconds to get over there, you know what I mean? I, I've grabbed a couple things. Let's grab some junk on the way over. But 45 seconds, you do a lot of damage, you know? And I got up to that register, and it was my manager who was ringing it up, and you know, I saw her with her smile on her face, and she's like, that's awesome. You know, and she started ringing it up. And then the more she rang up, the more her smile just. <laughs> and she hit total, and I looked at it. It was $587. And then she hit a button, and it cleared it off, and it said zero. And she said, congratulations. It's on Trader Joe's. It's all paid for. And I was like, thank you very much. And I put it in my cart, and I'm telling you, I walked away, and I was like, I got some free stuff. 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 Let me tell you something, child of God. You got some free stuff. You got some free stuff. You got some free stuff. You got free stuff. It is all paid for. Jesus did already pay for it all. You got free stuff. You got a reason to wake up every morning and dance. I got free stuff. I got some free stuff. Salvation paid for. Healing paid for. Deliverance paid for. You got free stuff. <laughs> oh, it's yours. 
It's your inheritance. It belongs to you. The devil, he, every, the devil will forever try to come and steal what belongs to you. It is yours. He can't have it. Forever he's going to come and try to steal it. As long as your faith remains in Jesus and what he did on the cross, the devil can't have it. He can't touch your possessions. Because your faith, your faith ain't in you. Don't put your faith in me. Your faith ain't in me. Your faith is in Jesus. It is in Jesus. Amen. The next thing that you need to do, that we need to do, and this is going to be rough. It's going to be hard on some people. Next thing we need to do is we need to admit our inability. Admit your inability. He says in 2 Chronicles 20, 12, he says, O our God, will you not judge them? Will you not judge them? For, for we have no power. We have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. He, he's admitting that he's powerless. He's admitting right there, I'm powerless. His, have, you ever, have you ever felt powerless? Husbands? <laughs> have you ever? No, really. You, you felt powerless before. You've been on a plane, right? You've been on a plane before. You felt powerless. Have you ever held a crying baby? Yeah. Yeah, we were in Columbus a couple weeks ago with my, uh, my granddaughter, and, you know, she's an awesome, awesome baby. I love her. And, uh, you know, she rarely cries. She doesn't cry at all much. Uh, but this day we were watching her. We were in her playroom, and she did something. She was trying to climb up on the love seat, and she must have slipped. But I didn't really see, too, you know, it didn't really look that bad. And she looked over at me, and she did one of those, you know. And I was like, no, 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 no. You know, and she just, ah, she started crying. And I picked her up, and I'm like, no, hey, Gigi, no, 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 hey, baby, look, it's Pop Pop. It's all, and she's just, ah, and I was like, ah, no, no, ah, and she's like, ah, you know, and I couldn't stop her from crying. And it took maybe 60 seconds, you know, that's all I got. 60 seconds, and I look, I was where my son at, I was like, here, here's your baby. But powerless, I couldn't stop her from crying. Jehoshaphat was saying, look, this is three against one, God. This is three against one. We, we're powerless. We don't know what to do. And so I'm, here, I'm fixing my eyes on you. On you. It's admitting that you don't have control. You don't have control. Right? Control. Gaining control is as possible as taking a picture of a unicorn. And maintaining it is as easy as catching the wind. 
Yet we all still strive for it. We all still strive for control. When David declared, the Lord is my shepherd, what he was saying was, I give up control. The Lord is my shepherd. He guides me. He leads me. I give up control. Now, giving up control can be difficult for most people, but like when you think about it, giving it up is logical. It's logical because really it's an illusion, guys. Control is, is, is really just an illusion because as soon as you think you got it, you don't. You don't. The only thing we're in control of is our decisions. God's in control of the outcomes. And believe me, his outcomes are always going to be better than our decisions. <laughs> always. So the good news about that today, for any control freaks, is you can resign as general manager of the universe. <laughs> Your position is no longer needed. Because he's in control. You got to surrender. We just got to surrender control uh, and just seek him. Seek his direction in all things. His plan is always better than our plan. The prophet Isaiah said his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Whatever strategy he's got is always going to be better. So we got to seek him. We got to seek him and we got to ask him for direction. We don't want like our plans to prevail. We want his plans to prevail, right? That's what we want. We want his wisdom for our lives. That's the reason we get up every morning and talk to him. The reason we get up and pray every morning is, is for his direction. I can't live on my own impulse. I can't live on my own gut instinct every day. I've tried it and, and it doesn't work. I still try it and it still doesn't work. We need Holy Spirit giving us wisdom and direction, but we have to admit our inability. That we don't know. We don't know what's going on. And just fix your eyes on Jesus. But here's what a lot of Christians do. We go to God with our minds already made up. We already know what we going to do, and we just need him to bless it. Right? We, we plan first. And then while we're out in the middle of doing whatever we're doing, we're like, okay, God, make it work. Right? So we, we hear that the Ammonites and the Moabites and, and, and the Meunites are coming. And we say, all right, hey, Brax, this is what we're going to do, man. Um, I think what we'll do, man, is what we'll do first is, come on, come on, what we're going to do is we're going to go, because they're only 20, they're 25 miles away, okay? They're not, they're not, they're not that far away. So what we're going to do, man, is we're going to, we're going to leave everything here. We're only going to take toilet paper and, and water, 
okay? This is all we need to survive. So we're going to get toilet paper, and we're going to get water, um, and maybe some duct tape. We'll get some duct tape, too. And, um, and we're going to take off, man. We're going to head, because they're going to be coming probably over the horizon right there. So we're, gonna, we're just going to take off. We're going to head around the bend over here. And we're going to stay. We'll come over around this mountain, and we'll stay right here. We'll stay here for probably a night, you know what I mean? And by that night, they'll probably be maybe midway into the village by then, right? So then what we'll do there is at the break of dawn, we're going to get up, come on, we're going to get up, we're going to go over here, and we're going to go to, to Big Door Mountain. We're going to stay over here in Big Door Mountain for a night, and that's probably going to give them enough time to, you know, get towards our village, you know. But what we'll do is we'll make sure that we leave mannequins in our beds sleeping, so it looks like we had that kissing disease, you know what I mean? So we've been sleeping all day. They're going to think that. Uh, we'll put a couple mannequins in the shower, you know, with some mechanical devices, and he's just singing the cool jerk, you know, so they'll think that somebody's alive in there. And then by the time they get to our village, what we'll do, come on, what we'll do is we'll just sneak up on them, man, and we're going to ambush them right there, right in the morning. They ain't even going to know we're coming, man, you know what I mean? Get out of here, come on. Let's do this, man. We're going to do that. That's what we're going to do. All right, all right. Now, God... Bless it. <laughs> and then when it all falls apart, when it all comes crashing down, like, God, where were you? Where were you? Why weren't you there to help us, man? Why would you send us out there? God's saying, no, 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 listen. Listen, I wasn't there to begin with. I wasn't there to begin with. This was your plan from the start. This was your plan. And now you're asking me to bless something that I didn't ordain for your life. That I didn't ordain for your life. I didn't want you to make that decision, but, but you made that decision. Right? And, and listen, I, I believe that God wants to help us in all things, but God's not here just to give us stuff. He wants to, he wants to guide you. He wants to guide you. He's not here just to give us stuff. He wants to guide you. Psalms 32.8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Ain't you glad that we got a God who wants to guide us? Ain't you glad we got a God who just who wants to guide us? But the only way he can do that is if we surrender control, surrender our control to him and admit we don't know what we're doing and follow his path. We have to admit our inability. I don't know. I just don't know, God. I don't know what to do. I'm powerless in this situation. But I've seen you do. Miracles. I've seen you do things no other man can do. And so I surrender it all to you. Amen? After they admitted their inability, 2 Chronicles 20, 13, it says, All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. This was a family prayer meeting. This was a family prayer meeting. This is... You know, when the problem, like I said last week, when the problem affects your family, the solution needs to affect your family. 
So you need to bring your husband. You need to bring your wife. You need to bring your children to pray. You need to pray with them. You need to ask for God's strength and wisdom before you start making decisions yourself and mess stuff up. You need to talk to God with your kids. Teach your children how to go to God first. You know what I discovered is that when you take a couple steps toward God, he'll just take a couple steps towards you. That's how that works. You take a couple steps towards him, he will take a couple steps towards you. God was saying, okay, you surrender? Okay, I, I can do something with that. I can do something with that. You know, it's when we, when we just tell him, God, I, don't, I, don't, I, I, I can't do this. I need you. That's when he's, he finally says, all right, man. Well, let's do this. Let's do this. And the next thing it says is it says after they did this, after they turned to him and, 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 and prayed and fasted and, and after they focused on him and not their problems uh, and, and after they admitted that they're not in control, I don't know what I'm doing, God. You know, I need you. It says that, that the spirit began to move. The spirit began to move. I don't know why you're here. I don't know why you're here. But without Holy Spirit, we might as well shut those doors and lock them. Without Holy Spirit, I have nothing to say. It says the Spirit began to move. And it says that amongst all these people, it says that it fell on a man named Jehaziel. And this man named Jehaziel, this prophet Jehaziel, says he came forward and he said, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Oh, those words. This is what the Lord says to you. This ain't what I said. This ain't what Marlon said. This ain't what Jehaziel said. This is what the Lord says to you. He says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. And ooh, we. Woo! Oh, my goodness. Go to the next one. Go to the next slide. Oh, where is it? Oh, mm. no. It says, look at those last words. For the battle is not yours, but God's. For the battle is not yours, but God's. If you don't get anything else from what I'm up here with my lips are flapping, if you don't get anything else from what I'm saying to you today, get this in your spirit. The battle is not yours. It is God's. That right there is the best news that you're going to get all week. I guarantee it. It ain't yours. It's the Lord's. Growing up, I was never a fighter. You know, I didn't fight. I don't even know if I can fight today because I ain't never got in one. But I hung around dudes. I had some dudes around me 
that I've witnessed before. Fight. One of them, y'all know, he was up here preaching. I think last week. <laughs> but not only did I watch them fight, watch these dudes who hung around me fight, I watched them win. I watched them win fights. Some of them fought because they had to. Some of them fought for fun. But I watched them win fights. Like I never worried about anywhere that I went because I, I kept dudes around me that stayed ready. They stayed ready. Listen, God stays ready. He stays ready. What he meant when he said, when he said, do not be afraid, what he really meant was do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. He stays ready. Don't be afraid because that battle that's, that's raging before you, the battle that, you know, you don't know what to do with, that battle, that battle ain't yours. That battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. You aren't even meant to fight it. The devil, oh, my goodness. When he comes to attack us, listen, he wants you to come fight. He wants you to come fight. Why? Because your carnality isn't equipped for this fight. It's not equipped. He will tear you up. It's not equipped for it. We got feelings, emotions, and, and pride that just get in the way. All of it just gets in the way. He will eat you up. Because if we react from that place of carnality, what we do is we react from it, and before we know it, that small thing that started in your house will be this big raging fire, be this big raging argument before you know it. And it's because we've removed the spiritual vitality from the fight. We removed that from the fight and made it about ourselves. He wants us to come and fight. But God is saying, listen, move aside, little britches. This is way too big for you. Way too big for you. This battle ain't yours. It's mine. And I ain't never lost a battle. He stays ready. This is why we're always so exhausted. Why we're always so frustrated. Why we're always so anxious. It's because we think, I, I got to get this done. I got I to gotta fix this problem. Right? I got I to gotta change that person. Yeah. Well, look at you, God. Look at you, God. No. Listen, the problem, the problem ain't the problem. The problem is that we think it's up to us to solve it. That's what the problem is. We're a bunch of fixers. We fix stuff. You know, we see something wrong over here, we want to fix it. We see something wrong over there, we just want to fix it. We see something wrong with him, we want to fix it. Fix him. See something wrong with her, we want to fix her. We can't even fix ourselves. We can't even fix ourselves, and we're worried about fixing somebody else. It's not meant for you to fight. There's only one fight that we are meant to fight, 
And that is the good fight of faith. That's the fight. This fight is just to keep your eyes on what Jesus done on the cross. That is your fight. Not to veer to the right, not to veer to the left. It is to just focus on him. Focus on the cross. Second Chronicles 20:17. Oh, these are some good words too. Oof. It says, "You will not need to fight in this battle." Right? He said, "The battle ain't yours. It's mine." So what that means is you won't even need to fight in this battle. He says, "Position yourself. Stand still." Some of y'all can't even stand still right now. I'm looking. Stand still. He just says, stand still. The hardest thing to do when a crisis hits you or or you're facing with a problem is nothing. But he's giving you instructions on what to do. Come to me. Right? It's nothing. God is just saying, stand still. All we have to do is plug into the message of the cross to remind ourselves that the battle isn't ours, that it's already done. We're a bunch of human doings. And we just need to be about believing that it's done. You see, how we got in is how we stay in. We got in by our faith in Jesus. You stay in by your faith in Jesus. Just stand still. Braxton, that'd be awesome, right? If your coach told you, Braxton plays basketball, if your, if your coach told you, man, I'm telling you, we can win this game, all you got to do is just go in there and stand still. That'd be dope. Right? You think you'd be able to do that? Uh-uh. Oh, just stand still. Have you ever had a dog come running at you? You take off running. The owner's like, hey, stop, stand still. Stand still. Most of nine times out of ten, I hope this is never, I hope hope you're not the one, but nine times out of ten, when you stop, that dog will just come up to you. He'll smell you. I just want to... And then he'll just retreat. The same is true with the devil. Don't run. Stand still. He's going to come and sniff you, and when he sees that you ain't scared, when you ain't worried about him, he's just going to retreat. Stand still. God don't want you to worry. He don't want you to fight. He don't want you to run. He wants you to stand still. He don't want you to run from the problem. He don't want you to run from your marriage. He doesn't want you to run from your job. Just stand still. Sometimes it takes more courage just to stay. Takes more courage just to stay. Running from the problem sometimes is running from the Lord. See, because in that thing, he wants to do something through you in what you call the problem.
The devil is going to come day after day after day after day. He loves his job. Sometimes he comes early. He sticks around. He wants overtime, you know, and they didn't told him, like, you can't stick around. You got to punch out. He don't care. He will stick around and just come after you relentlessly. It does not bother him. This is what he comes to do is to kill, steal, and destroy. He loves it. But it's not your battle. This isn't your battle. God has already done it. He's already defeated it. All you have to do is fix your eyes on him and just let him know, God, listen, this is a battle I can't win. I've tried. I can't do it. I I tried to change. I've tried to stop. I've tried to get over it. I can't do it on my own. But the word of the Lord says that the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. And when you pursue him, He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the power. He'll give you the grace that you need. He will give you the victory. He will give you the victory. The last thing we need to do is we need to praise him in advance. You got to praise him in advance. Second Chronicles 20 18 says, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. They positioned themselves for battle. You got you to position yourself every day for battle. The devil coming every day. You need to position yourself every day. You got to position yourself in such a way that... that you know it's not you, but, but God. Right? You got you to gotta position yourself when things are going bad. You got to position yourself on mediocre days. You got to position yourself when, when days aren't so good. On bad days, you got to position yourself. When it's raining outside, you got to position yourself. When it's snowing outside, you just got to position yourself. When it's hot, you got to position yourself. When it's cold outside, you just got to position yourself. It don't matter what's going on in your life. Position yourself to win your battle. It's not yours. Take a look at this. Look at how much praise is going on without the problem even being solved. And, and you guys only have a couple of these. Don't even worry about them. In verse 18, it says, he fell down before the Lord and worshiped him. In verse 19, it says, they stood up to praise the Lord. In, in verse 21, it says, they appointed to sing and, and to sing to the Lord. In verse 22, it says, when they began to sing and to praise to the Lord, the problem hadn't even got there yet. And they were singing and praising God. They had an overwhelming problem that led to prayer. That, that, that prayer opened the door to a prophet. And that prophetic word led to praise. There is power in your praise. There is so much power in your praise. Praise is just an expression of admiration to God. See, we can quietly worship. I can sit up here and quietly worship. I can hit my knees and I can worship in my head and and in my heart and in my mind and my thoughts. I can worship. But I can't do that with praise. 
I can't do that. Praise is completely different. Praise is publicly declaring my worship. What I'm worshiping is publicly declaring it. We need to get in the practice of praising God. Stop worrying about what people think about you. Stop worrying about what people say about you. I hope you do. If this is, you know what, I'm sorry. We, do we have any new people here today? Yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the family. We normally do that at the beginning of service. But welcome to the family. I hope you do go tell your friends that the pastor was up here weeping and crying and sitting on his knees and praising Jesus. That's what I want you to know. Praise him. Stop worrying about what people think about you and what people say about you. He's worthy of our praise. He's so worthy of it. Start praising him. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. That just means he hangs out in praise. He hangs out in praise. Praise the pure hearts when you're praising him. He wants to be there. And I want to be as close to him as possible. I praise him in the morning. I praise him in the afternoon. I praise him in the evening. I praise him when I'm taking a shower. I praise him when I'm, whatever I'm doing, I'm praising Jesus. You got to praise him. Some of us can't get the release we need. Or the victory that belongs to us because we're so worried about what other people think about us. So worried about it. You got to stop worrying about what people think about you. Start worrying about what he says about you and what he thinks about you. That's all. Start, Start putting the devil in his place. You got authority. Start putting him in his place. I was in my car the other day, and, you know, he, been, he don't like me. The devil don't like me. I was sitting in my car the other day, and I was sitting at a stoplight, and, and I was just, ooh, I was going at the devil. I was going at him hard, you know, in my car, and, and I'm just, ah, you know, ah, and, and I looked over, and the girl was looking at me, and I was like, and I rolled down my window, and she rolled down her window, and I was like, I was just talking to the devil. And she was like, that came out all wrong. That came out all wrong. So I hope, I hope she don't walk through these doors. I hope she, I hope she go to, I hope she go to Cleveland. <laughs> Oh, she go to Cleveland. <laughs> but watch this. Watch this. This is awesome. Watch this. God did something very unusual. He did something that he had never done before. Um, he, said, he said, hey, bring your army out. He said, bring your army out, but they won't have to fight. Yeah, he said, bring your army out, but they won't have to fight. They can witness. I want them to witness what I'm getting ready to do. But bring, but bring your army out. I want them to witness what, they're, what I'm going to do, but, but they won't have to draw a sword. They won't even have to draw a sword. As a matter of fact, I don't want them even going in front. 
I want them going behind. I want you to send, I want you to send Miranda. And I want you to send Tiffany. I want you to send Deborah. I need you to send Tiffany. Send Erica. Right? Send, 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 send David. Send Tony. Send Craig. Send Stephen. I want you to send your praisers and your singers out first. Send them out there first. See, because when it happens, I don't want them to think that this is some show. I don't want them to think that this is a fog machine or some genie in a bottle or any of that. I want them to know that this is the Lord straight up. Send, send your praisers first. Send them first. And it says that as they begin to walk out, as they begin to walk out, and they were surrounded by all their enemies, surrounded by all, some of you feel surrounded today. You feel surrounded at every corner, like there's no way out, no way in. You're surrounded, right? You don't know what to do. You don't know how things are going to turn out. But God is saying, do not be afraid. This is not your battle. Stand still. You will not have to fight. And the Bible says, oh, my goodness, did y'all put, I didn't even give them this verse. Verse, was it 20, 21? Oh, This is the coldest. Oh. He says, And when they had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord. For his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord. For his mercy endures forever. Praise him. It's be said when they began, I'm going to close. It said when they began to sing and when they began to praise him, that the enemy did not know what to do. They didn't know what to do. We came for a fight. We came for a fight. Y'all singing. Who are you singing to? What's going on over there? And it says that God sent an ambush. Sent an ambush. And when the enemies, when, when they heard this praise, they got confused. It says the Ammonites and the Moabites start killing the Meunites. They slaughtered them. And then, and then they turned on each other and started killing each other. And it says that when Judah came and they came to the place and they looked over in the wilderness, all they saw was dead bodies. Nobody had escaped. Nobody had escaped. You got to praise him. There's power in your praise. When you start praising Jesus, you rock hell. Demons begin to shake. Darkness trembles. You gotta praise him. Oh, listen. Listen, if you need help, 
with depression, start praising him. If you need help with anxiety, start praising him. If you need healing in your body, start praising him. Whatever it is, you need your family restored. Just start praising God, y'all. Just start praising him. Listen, oh. some of us are going to end up in a battle this week. A lot of us are probably going to end up in a battle this week. And this is what I want to do. I want to set our week off right. Right? I want to start our week. And so we're going to have altar ministers and, and pastors up here they can come up and we want we definitely want to pray with you okay so if you want prayer come up and pray if you've never asked Jesus into your life listen he made that easy he made it easy for you he did all the hard work on Calvary he did all the hard work all you got to do is ask him into your heart Stand with me. Let's do this. Stand, stand with me. Let's do this. All you have to do, just re- repeat after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Transform me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Guide me. I declare from this day on, I'll live for you. Listen, this is the solution. The solution to overcoming overwhelm. Whenever you face, you come face to face with it, it being whatever's causing you stress or whatever's causing you to lose sleep or whatever's stealing your joy, turn to God. Focus on him, not that problem. Appeal to his character. Admit you ain't in control. And praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord. Listen, seek him with all of your heart. And while you're seeking him, drop to your knees, bow your head, raise your arms, lift your voice, worship him, praise him, give him glory. I don't even know how it all works. I don't even know how it all works. What I do know is that he will give you the help, the grace, and the power you need to get by. He will give you the victory. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's, we're going to go out praising God right now. We, I want to thank all of you for being here. Remember this week to live right, love everybody, pray hard. Come this way before you go that way. We love you. We love you. We love you. Let's praise Jesus. Don't forget to sign up for the class. Pastor Tossie's in the back right now. I love you guys.